Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Victory Monday on Football and Random Things. Damn right it is, Jared. As always, Football and Random Things brought to you by our friends at Wiffles Hybrids. When it comes to selecting your seed corn partner, you've got a choice to make. At Wiffles Hybrids, we've made a choice too. A choice to remain independent, a choice to remain farm family owned, a choice to stay American. So when it's time to make your choice, make a statement, plant your independence, plant Wiffles. I think the Iowa State Cyclones made a statement on Saturday, Jeff Woody, with their uh, win over West Virginia. Finally, for one week, happiness. We did it. Jared, we made it through a month and a half of having to rationalize or understand or be disappointed by or be dejected by or be disinterested in offensive football. And it finally happened that it all got clicked together. And I would like to say we called it. We it, the thing is, a broken clock is going to be wor- is always going to be right twice. You know, like we eventually if every week we came in and we said, hey, at some point, at some point, it's going to click. This offense is going to work. I'm still taking it as a win. And it just so happened that it took until the fourth quarter of this game against West Virginia. And then you know what? It, it clicked. It clicked in a big way. Thanks. Uh, thanks to that roughing the punter penalty that uh, that Iowa State got that extended that one drive. And then Deion Silas pops off a big run. And now all of a sudden the Cyclones are in business and off and running. Literally off and running. Uh, off and running. Uh, 31-14 win over West Virginia. 21 points uh, in the fourth quarter. Actually, you know what? Uh, everybody probably expects us right now to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about defense. Because this defense, dude. It, man. In the second half at different. one point, prior to that kind of throwaway drive, mm-hmm. you, I, I think you text me. Oh, I tweeted it out. I tweeted out the, uh, the stats. I can read them to you. This was before... Iowa State's uh, or West Virginia's last drive of the game. In the second half, West Virginia had zero points. This was after four drives. Zero points, 13 yards of total offense, negative one yard or negative four yards rushing on four attempts. So they were averaging negative one yards per rushing attempt. They were two of eight passing for 17 yards, 0 of four on third down, and averaging 1.1 yards per play. And that's through the majority of the second half. Yeah, that was up until there was like three minutes left in the game. That is unreal. And the crazy thing is, is that on both sides of the ball, this isn't just offensively or defensively, they didn't do very much different. There's nothing that I don't look at. I didn't I I, I didn't watch that game the second time around because they had the uh, the Liberty Bowl 2012 Liberty Bowl kind of recognition. So I was hanging out with the other you know, kind of old teammates and you know, just shooting the shit with them and talking, whatever. And I, I was paying loose attention to the game and then went back and rewatched it to try and just identify like, try and figure out what they why was the offense better and how was the defense able to do this. And it's they didn't do anything that's remarkably different. They just played really sharp. The only thing that I can think of is, is when they would get in known passing downs, they would walk Orion Vance up as a, a defensive end and then line up in an even front so they would he would function like a defensive end and then you'd have the will linebacker whether it's Gary Vaughn or Kendall Jackson and Reader or McLaughlin whoever that is and so you really it would be like a 425 that would that was kind of the adjustment but that just made it easier for teams not to 
for West Virginia not to just triple block Will McDonald. Is they it forced them to do something else. And I mean, there were times where with Will McDonald, they would literally would chip have they would chip with a running back. They would have a tackle on an out, his outside shoulder. They'd have a guard head up on him, and they'd slide the center over. There was legitimately times in that game when they would quadruple block him. But outside of that four-two-five, like sort of look on known passing downs, they just did their normal offense. But like we talked about on the pregame radio show and the the last week's edition of Fart, like this defense is literally built to stop that offense. Mm. Everything that offense wants to do is expressly taken away by how this defense runs. So the fact that the defense was suffocating is not all that surprising. The fact of how suffocating it was of negative one yards rushing or negative four yards rushing and 17 passing yards in most of the second half until basically garbage time when you got substitutes in, that's a little surprising. But it just goes to validate this offense's existence or this defense's existence in that you want to be a spread open team. You want to be a short dink and dunk kind of team, make big chunk plays behind there. Good luck, pal. That is not going to work against this defense and against this general defensive philosophy. And this defense is just executing it to perfection against everybody, specifically against West Virginia. All right, I'm going to ask you a question I've been kicking around. I asked Matt Campbell a variation of this question. I asked Anthony Johnson a variation of this question. Is this the best defense that they've had? I think it has to be, right? I think so, too. Because they've played, Which is crazy to think. They've played the meat of the offensive schedule outside of TCU. TCU is the best offense in the conference, uh, and but they've played all the rest of them. They've played Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel, healthy. They played Kansas with Jalen Daniels, healthy. They've played... Texas with Quinn Ewers, Texas healthy. with Quinn Ewers, healthy. They played Baylor with everybody healthy. Mm-hmm. They played... They played Kansas State with Adrian Martinez healthy. They played everybody with their best shot and are still statistically the best defense since 1978 at Iowa State, which obviously includes all of Matt Campbell's tenure. And now they get the Texas, but Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, who you're going to see in the next two weeks, they might you might see six quarterbacks in the next two weeks just because of how the health of each of those teams is. It's probably going to get better. Cowboys are down bad right now, bro. Man, I, f- I feel... No okay, man. so I, I hope... I'm just going to... I hope that they stay down... For one for, more week. For seven more days. <laughs> you know what? Not even six. Six more days. From right now, I want them to stay down for six more days. And then after that, you can have as much... I want them to be prosperous because it feels like they are a kindred spirit. I don't know why, but it feels like Oklahoma State and Kansas State are kindred spirits to Iowa State. They're one of us. They're one of us. You're a land grant. You're a disrespected. You, you, no one takes you as serious as they should. You are gritty, just the blue-collar type of mentality. There's that. But I want you to be down for just a, I mean, just a little bit longer. Just I'm six more days, and then you can get healthy. Uh, I saw today there's a chance that uh, Gunner Gundy might start under center for the Cowboys. How good is that name? Gunner Gundy? That's uh, that guy's gonna be all Big Twelve by the end of his career. I have a feeling, just off, just like purely off of pedigree, name and mullet. Yeah, um, it's I, I don't know. With Sanders was that whole offense and still is. Is she? He's just not in, which is why they haven't had much of an offense, as proven by their numbers over the last it's, two weeks. Because yeah. they got beat forty-two to nothing against 
Kansas State, and then they got beat what thirty seven to or thirty four to seventeen or thirty eight to seventeen or something like that against Kansas. There was a point that I sent you a, a tweet where it was seventy two to seven, the state of Kansas versus Oklahoma this year in or pa- Oklahoma State this week in this the past year, last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, in the past what eight days between each other, each yeah. one of them, and it's not like they're, it's not like at, at other positions they're healthy. Like they're on offensive lineman number. 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. Their defense, defense is, is secondary. Decimated, yeah. their, their best secondary player got, I think, tore his ACL in the Texas game. And since that happened, has been their defense has been substantially worse. So you can, you know how much he meant to organizing all the other pieces. Well, I'll be fully prepared for all of those replacement players to play at an all-Big 12 level this weekend. It's just it's going to happen yeah. the way it always does. It's but, all just going to click for him all of a sudden. But the, the thing is... is uh, <laughs> Back to the original question, I don't think that there is anything that any team can do that will rattle this defense. Right. And I, one of the things that I was thinking about on the way up here is the word feeling has way more meaning to it. I was listening to you and uh, your interview with uh, Coach Smith mm-hmm. uh, for Corner 3. And he was talking about if how these guys are feeling in their bodies. And like that statement, it just tells me like they get it. You know, because it's not about uh, you, you, these football players are not machines. They're not, you, hey, you know, plug them in. They're going to go play football and just make sure the battery's charged and you're good. Like they have to feel something. And that's feeling their joints healthy. That's feeling confident. That's feeling like they understand everything. Like they're like they understand everything well enough to start freelancing because they can get back to the thing they want to do. And it felt like the defense, it feels like the defense you can't rattle that defense out of that confidence that they have. I mean, knock on wood, but it it just with the attitude that they have with Orion Vance and Will McDonald, and, and I think Anthony Johnson's attitude feels like it has permeated everybody yeah. on that defense where it's kind of the team, it, you know, they're not going to start a fight. You're, 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 you're at a bar, hanging out, just with your buddies, whatever. They're not going to be the ones that's like shoving somebody else, but if – one of his buddies gets shoved. He's going to go grab the guy who does the initial shoving by the collar and goes, do it one more time. I'm going to break your nose. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not, it's just that confidence of like, I'm not going to start anything, but you do not want to mess with me. And that just feels like how this defense operates because they are very rarely out of position, but they are super aggressive. Uh, I'm going to say two things. One, I don't know that number one's ever going to get as much credit as what he should. Number one is like, Anthony Johnson should be an Iowa State Hall of Famer. Like, I strongly believe that, even though he's never been first team all Big 12, never been in any of those positions. Like, you want to talk about a guy who set the tone, who carried the culture, all those things? That's Anthony Johnson. And, like, when you talk to any of those guys, those young guys that are in that secondary, because, again, TJ Tampa's a junior, Miles Purchase is a sophomore, Bo Freeler's a sophomore. Like, these are not guys that have been out there starting 50 games alongside Anthony Johnson. Jeremiah Cooper is a true freshman. Anthony Johnson brought these dudes up. Like, and and held people to a standard, you know? That's where five years from now, when Iowa State still got damn good defenses, we're going to sit here, we're going to talk about Mike Rose, we're going to talk about Jaquan Bailey, we're going to talk about Will McDonald. I don't know if we're going to talk about Anthony Johnson enough, but he deserves a lot more credit than what he probably was is ever going to get, and that's why I say again, he, will be, he should be an Iowa State Hall of Famer by the time that his career is over and should be in there without question, you know? Uh, and then the other thing, the only thing that I think maybe held me back originally from thinking like that they might not be that best defense is I don't feel like this group gets 
constant pressure at the same level some of those other ones did but they still get pressure at timely moments when they need it mm -hmm. you know like that's it it doesn't feel like it did a couple years i mean i think even in 2020 you think about that defensive line the yeah, ability Bailey, yeah, yeah, mcdonald yeah that yeah. ability to to create pressure i don't know when we'll ever see Iowa state be able to do that again where it's like you we're gonna bring three guys and all three of them might get to you you know and uh they just I don't think they've got quite that game breaking ability, but they are that good, I think, at the second level. And they're that good, I think, at the third level that it makes up for the fact that they don't create pressure with that same level of consistency. I was looking sort of paying attention somewhat while we were there. And I was thinking, who are the guys on this defense that are professionals? Who are the ones that are going to be on a roster, active roster or practice squad because the line's pretty thin. If you make a practice squad, you're one injury away from being a starter, and then all of a sudden you can be, you know, Just ask Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard was, yeah. is now, when he's healthy, he's the top receiver for the Packers. You know, that. Um, and it feels like if you go in the secondary, TJ Tampa's a pro. I mean, that guy is absolutely. I think people probably need to be more worried about TJ Tampa being a pro sooner rather than later than what we maybe would have thought going into the season because I mean, he's eligible to go to the NFL. That's what I'm saying. Now. That that and guy could go and probably if he wanted to go play in the NFL, he probably could go play in the NFL depending on the grade. But I mean, he's yeah. he, to me, he seems like a pro. Uh, Bo is probably a pro. Uh, Jeremiah Cooper is still too early to tell like mm -hmm. if he's a, you know, professional good. Yeah. Um, it feels like Will McDonald, obviously Dominic Orange, by the time he's all done, I mean, that guy has progressed a ton and he's huge and you don't get explosive and huge. Like that's yes. such a rare combination. E Eli Rashid would talked about him in the preseason before he'd really even, you know, anybody'd really even heard anything about him and said, that's like an SEC guy. Mm -hmm. You don't see people like that in this league very often. Yeah. That and are 300 pounds and can move like what he can. And Anthony Johnson falls on that list, but it feels like, if he gets picked, he is going to get picked sixth or seventh round, something like that, to the Bills. You know, mm -hmm. so just sort of a throwaway where they're not sure if, like, you know, let's say the Bills aren't sure if they can get Jordan Poyer to get a contract for yeah. the right value. So they're going to take a flyer on some kid they could store. But Anthony Johnson is going to play in the NFL for 15 years. Yeah. Because the way he the way he can do all of the necessary components of what the secondary entails, because we've seen him up there nose dirty in the run game. We've seen him uh, in obviously communicating and being in the right spot. So it's e you have easy pass defenses. But then you also go back. We, I was sitting next to uh, Jared Weaver, who is one of the, probably the smartest human that I've ever played with. Los Angeles Angels pitcher Jared Weaver? Uh, nope. He is uh, the 4.0 aerospace engineer, uh, engineering mm. student who... Uh, I don't think Jared Weaver could have gotten a 4.0 in aerospace engineer. The pitcher, I mean. Uh, yeah, no, this one can. And he's now working on Boeing 777s uh, in the computer system, trying to be able to auto-adjust 777s to make smoother rides through turbulence. Yeah, but how's his fastball? Probably not that good. <laughs> Brain's pretty sharp. So I sit next to him, and he's he doesn't pay as much attention. He lives in Seattle, obviously busy with work a lot. Yeah. And so, But he played linebacker and fullback a little bit, and so he was... There was two plays that Anthony Johnson made that uh, were down the field passes where he and he was playing essentially nickel corner from his safety position, man to man on whoever the number two was, number two receiver was. Carried him vertical. The ball, JT Daniels placed actually a pretty decent ball. One of them was an interception that he played. Another one was just a PBU that he had on the other side of the ball. And I remember Jared going, 
dude, that, is that a corner? Legitimately, I was like, well, kind of. I mean, he's yeah, he's he a safety, yeah. but he was a corner for a long time. And Jared's like, that was perfect. I mean, he just found the hip, turned around, watched the ball. You just you don't know, just know how to do that. And it was fun watching his reaction to a player do something that he shouldn't be able to do by position, but by skill set he can. And so, if you're an NFL team, you think of that guy sort of like a to me like a Wazarike, but in the defensive backfield as opposed to the defensive line we're going to draft him and figure it out yeah because any you put him at three tech you put him in defensive end you put him as the three down defensive end you put him as a three down nose who I mean he's six six three thirty who Th- knows those are the guys that Matt Kimball calls a football player you just we're going to put him on the field and see what happens yeah we're going to figure it out we yeah. know that that guy really knows how to play football. We don't know what position he's going to play. We don't know what he's going to do when he gets in these positions we put him in. But eventually, we're going to find one, and that guy's going to do something. And it, that's, yeah, he is that. And sort of a guy that does that, I mean, a little bit more prolific, is, uh, I think, is it Desmond King? He's the yeah. starter for, he's a starter for the Bills before he tore his knee up. And that's, uh, he played, the one that played at Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he played corner, but he moved back to safety, and it feels like that type of, of skill set not quite to that level but that's the type of thing where you go i mean how long has that dude played in the nfl forever i mean he's in well i mean didn't uh didn't jock was play at uh play cornerback at iowa state and then move to safety in the nfl he played in the nfl for a while jock was washington i don't am think I, he, am i tripping i think am it was the wrong guy? okay i was thinking of Dion. yeah i don't know there was one of them that i remember it was the same kind of thing it was, Dan, it was like, and leonard johnson too yeah yeah that like stuck in the nfl for a long time yeah i think leonard, played the same position leonard was in the league for like nine years he yeah. found a niche as a nickel corner and then just stuck there and right. four different teams it just happened to come in at the exact time when everyone needed one of those guys yeah but like he is a guy when you look at this defense defense among everybody else i'm sure that i'm missing someone and i'm sure there are guys that are going to develop and i'm sure sadly that there are going to be some that transfer we don't know but Mm -hmm. the when you look at this defense there's pros across the board but there's other than maybe will and tj tampa it's not like those guys are you get them like you sign them to a contract right now but they're just across the board are sharp and and it, it just comes back all to anthony johnson being able to do everything and get everybody in the right spot and just, again, permeate the attitude that, like, I dare you. Like, try it. Mm-hmm. Try it. Make make a move. Right. All right, let's flip it over to the offense then. Uh, again, I mean, I think it fe- it, we probably feel better because that fourth quarter was really good. There's a little bit of a struggle there in the middle part of the game. But they were able to get it done, and then they were able to break out in the fourth quarter. What did you think from what did you see from that group or that unit that made you feel good? It made me. I, I was really happy with specifically the young backs. You know, Norton and Silas. Obviously, that's kind of the show. I mean, <laughs> I will say this though. You know what's hilarious? Read Xavier Hutchinson's stat line. I don't know if you have that pulled up. Uh, Ten catches for 123 yards, one touchdown, and 11 targets. And we just forget about it. We just forget about a guy who had 10 receptions for 120 and a touchdown. We just forget about it because he's that good. And only had one incomplete pass when they threw it his way. And that was a beautiful play by the defensive back where he Xavier had both hands on it. Yeah, nearly still caught the ball. And the guy literally swiped the ball, paw on ball, knocked that out of the way, and otherwise would have caught 11 for 11 passes, and that would have been another 15-yard gain. So that would put him at about 140 yards. It, that... that that catch and it would have been a touchdown too wasn't it no it was in the middle it was in the middle field it was a third Uh, it was was like a second down pass or something like that uh that would have been 
11 catches for 140 and a touchdown. But he, instead, he was 10 catches for 120 and a touchdown. And we forget about it. That's how good Xavier Hutchinson is. But so let's give just Xavier Hutchinson appreciator here that because we get again, we're going to talk about the running game because it's the biggest difference between last one and this one. It sort of feels like the difference between acceleration and velocity where acceleration is when you're sitting at a red light and you gun it and you feel yourself pulled back into your chair. You're only going 30, 35 miles an hour when you feel like yourself getting pulled back and then you're on the highway and you're at cruise control at 75. It doesn't feel like you're going that fast because the velocity is the same. Xavier Hutchinson is going 75 on the highway and we just take for granted how fast he's going and how good this is because it's the same. He is consistently producing absurd numbers every single game, no matter what they're covering, no matter how they're doing it, no matter where they put him on the field, slot X, Z, move him around, deep passes, short passes. It's all good. So let's not ignore, even though we we will move on, there is some serious velocity with Xavier Hutchinson, but the acceleration change is with the running game. And that was really fun to watch because you could see it click with Cartavius Norton, especially into that fourth quarter. I thought you saw it click with Deion Silas too. Yeah, That was by yeah. far the most decisive running that I think we've seen from him all year. And they, because they didn't ask him to do too much. Remember back in the Kansas game when we were talking about how what do you do with this offense if Norton and Brock can't play? And one of the responses was, and I think this was after the my nine-minute diatribe, actually, it was against Kansas State. And it, it was, you might have to just simplify the playbook for Silas because in order to do the things that he needs to do, you and just at running back, you got to be confident. You have to understand where you're going. And sometimes it's a false confidence where even if I don't totally know where I'm going, I'm going to get there fast. Mm-hmm. And Silas, when he's able to be that change of pace back, to either Jirel or Cartavius, and I legitimately don't think Jirel has been healthy since Iowa. I thought he would got hurt really bad on that play, honestly. The the way that he got kind of behind and got rolled up backwards, I thought that that was like going to be it for him. Yeah, especially once they took him off on the cart, I was like, and he could barely instantly put when on it. I saw the hit, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, like, and and he seems like sort of the. He feels like the the heart and soul of the offense. Mm-hmm. Feels like Jirel. Um, but with Dion, like with Dion Silas being able to be a change of pace back, his playbook is small. He doesn't have to be confident with everything. He's running, I mean, that was inside zone and stretch zone. Those are basically the two plays that he ran. And knowing that you are bud, go full speed. You don't have to pass block. You don't have to do anything else. We're gonna run stretch zone to the right and run just here get it go and he that his pacing is good there and once he saw it took off there was uh he broke one or two tackles on his first long run just by being aggressive but he doesn't have to be confident with the whole playbook he doesn't have to know everything he just has to know those 10 plays Mm -hmm. really well and if you can know those 10 plays really well when you're out there awesome and then when if you don't understand the next one they're going to rotate you out. It's okay. They're going to put Cartavius back in there. They're going to put Jirel back in there. So him being the change of pace with a shortened playbook, that's exactly where his role is at its best. But with Cartavius, we talked about feeling with the defense. You could see him start to feel more confident by the end of that game. Where, again, it's kind of that stand-up, you know, like the every every receiver does when they make a contested catch. They do that, like, one, one arm, two arm, flex. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have muscles to flex, they do that. 
And it's sort of like that attitude though, that like you get tackled, you get up. That's the feeling that you want to have of like, all right, as a two yard gain, you're, you know, Brees would get up that I brought it and he'd give him this, he'd give him the, the, you know, I was this close. He gave him that finger motion. Yep. I was this close. And that attitude that Brees had and David Montgomery always has, I mean, David Montgomery, he's not going to get up and like trash talk you, but in his brain, you can see how he plays that it is going to take you like strapping an anchor and a chain to his shoulders and hitting him with a boat before he goes down like that attitude. And it feels like Cartavius in the first part of the season when he was coming back to playing healthy, like again in Texas when he got maybe 10 or 12 snaps. And then last week uh, against Oklahoma where he got maybe 20, 25 snaps, he was still trying to feel it out. So he didn't totally, he wasn't totally confident with how he was going and even the beginning part of the game, he wasn't super sure of where he should be. But as soon as he, there was one or two runs where he's dragging somebody or he's putting his shoulder down or he's shimmying a little bit or he's having a little bit of a dead leg and like starting to have fun with it a little bit. And by the end of the game, that second touchdown wouldn't have been a touchdown had he run that exact play in the first quarter. It wouldn't have been a touchdown because he wouldn't have brought the same juice to that defender to drive him into the end zone because you talk about feeling athletes are feelers like athletes are people who human beings who need to feel a certain way in order to do it and the better ones can just get themselves there they you know, a professional athlete you know tom brady has one of the worst most boring offensive games of all time 35 seconds left to go in the game he is still locked in because he is the greatest mental athlete him and Michael Jordan are the greatest mental athletes of all time in any sport. Maybe you put Michael Phelps up there. Like those two or three guys, professionals, they can do it. Everyone else, Gartavis Norton's a 19-year-old kid. He needs to have a little bit of something to give him that same type of confidence that once he then gets that, he can tap into it again because he knows what it feels like. So yeah, that, that fourth quarter was a lot better and I was really impressed with the running backs because they got to just play confident. They they were totally cool with it. And I think Deckers, as a as a course on that, was also able to be relaxed and confident because they weren't asking him to do everything because Cartavius was running the ball really well. Silas was running the ball really well. Deshaun Hanneke made a couple really good contested catches. Easton Dean makes a couple really good contested catches. And you're like, okay, we can do this. And you could feel the offense, the offense in the third and fourth quarters more specifically in the fourth, that they finally looked confident, which has not happened since Ohio. Uh, I do think a shout-out dessert or needs to go to the offensive lines play, in the, especially in that fourth quarter. They've had so they had some hiccups, I think, during the in the pass protection at times. There was one time where Iowa State left six guys into block, and West Virginia beat them with three, which was not ideal. Man, that was bad. Yeah, uh, but. I thought you saw them really start to move some people in the run game, though, too. I mean, the first play that they ran of the game, I think Jirel got four yards, but I texted you. I was like, I think my grandma could have gained four yards on that play because the hole was so big. You know, it was like they had some times where there were gaping holes to run through. And that, I mean, you got to give credit to the guys up front for being able to make some of those plays. And the thing that they were doing better, and it also could be due to, I mean, because Stills is a really good player. Let's say West Virginia's defensive line's no joke. They're not bad. And 95 and 55 are the two that kind of stick out the most. Stills is, excuse me, Stills is 55. Um, and then I forget the 95's name, but those are your two, like, actually legitimately pretty good defensive line players. But one of the things that they recognize is you you can kind of, Stills, Stills will jump out of the way. 
he's going to try and make, he likes to swim a lot and swim meaning one of his arms goes up above him and is trying to like get to the offensive players back to push them by. And so he's trying to swim one way or the other. If you try and swim in the run game and you miss, if I can sit down as an offensive lineman, you've just given me your rib cage and I can push you out of the way. So if you go back and watch most of the big runs, it's at or around 55 when he tries to swim one way or the other and they caught him in it. And the thing that that like that's a wrestlers are really good at doing stuff like that where you notice an opening and you take advantage of it. I don't know how many wrestlers Iowa State has on their offensive line, if any. Um, Not a ton. Matt Campbell's a basketball guy. Just got to get those wrestlers, man. I'm just telling you, Trevor Downing, basketball guy. Like he, I'm, I'm Tyler, not kidding. He loves basketball. He loves basketball players. Tyler Miller should be the a foot, basketball the guy. The wasn't. He was. He was. I think his brother's actually a pretty good little basketball player too. And he's six well, ten. Certainly not little. I, I take that back. But he's a uh, younger. Yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. littler than Tyler. But, uh, but anyway, like that type of way. That's one of the reasons why people like you know a guy like Tyler Linderbaum. Why is he so good? Stuff like that. You miss. You get a little bit out of position. He's gonna make you pay right. by doing that. And Iowa State's finally started doing that. And the other thing that is like kind of like a secondary part of that is if you're going to be a defensive line that tries to jump around stuff, which West Virginia does, specifically 55, and we have a combo block on that guy. If you and I are supposed to be blocking 55 and then whoever is free, depending on the play and how, however we talk about it, is going to go up to linebacker. And let's say that linebacker's 35. If we are going to be blocking 55 and 55 tries to jump around me, and I settle down to take him, that means you don't have to spend any of your time helping me with 55 because I'm st- I'm sitting down to block 55, which means you can just get free up to go up 35, and now you're one-on-one completely like with a, a head of steam into a linebacker, and that's the stuff they did better is they were able to identify where am I needed and where am I not needed so I can get up to the second level. So their climbing was better going from defensive line to linebackers and, and secondary players. And their handling of the initial defensive line was better. Defensive line was better in the running game. Still had some some dumb shit that happened. Mm-hmm. A fair amount of dumb shit that happened. But the again, the confidence all came together a lot better, especially once things got rolling. That you know that that blocked punt that went or that that roughing the punter was sort of a flagrant foul that put. Isaiah Brockington on the line and he was shooting one for nine before that, but was getting good looks. And then you give it back to him and you let him just relax and play with house money because it's a roughing the passer or roughing the punter. And you get to just, just get the drive back. Uh Oh, he saw both free throws go in. All right. How are we feeling going into, into Saturday? Is it weirdly confident. I think that's probably the sentiment that most Iowa Staters have. Is that where you're at? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's how a lot of people should feel playing against Oklahoma State right now. It just depends on the health. If Spencer Sanders ha- is able to play, totally different ballgame. Because that dude is he competitive. And he no matter what happens, you are not gonna he even if he's injured, he is going to he's gonna give you two interceptions, but he's gonna turn that around. And he's gonna make three fifty mm-hmm. yard plays that shouldn't have been made because he's able to scramble or fight or whatever. So if Spencer Sanders is healthy enough to play, which I have no idea on the status of his health, if he's able to play, it's a different feeling and a different ball game. But if he's not, and you have a backup or a third stringer against this defense, that's a bad recipe for Oklahoma State. Even if his name is Gunnar Gundy. <clears throat> gun, gun. Gun, gun. 
All right. Anything else you want to want to say? A little bit shorter episode today. We're recording this in between my marathon day at Hilton Coliseum. Well, I mean, uh, the uh, I don't know if there's an instant reaction for the women's game, but uh, I think we were talking about it for probably 30 minutes beforehand. Quite good. Turns out. Turns out Iowa State women, pretty good at basketball. They uh, probably could have won by 100 today, I think, if they had really wanted to. And I think there's going to be a lot of nights where if they chose to win by 100, they probably could do so. That is going to be a very, very good team. And as a as a fan who's kind of, I think this is really cool. One, I'm going to, you know, I was a person who I didn't really like basketball all that much until I got to Iowa State. And then you got to go to Hilton and, and get energized by it. And then over the probably the past two or three years, partly by the coverage of Cyclone Fanatic, of the women's basketball program and episode, you know, shows like Title IX and being able to get more exposure to the storylines and to the athletes and the people, you get more interested in it. And then at the same time as all that's happening, the women's team is freaking good mm-hmm. and they're fun because you have these explosive guards. You have Ashley Jones, who's you know we talked about Spencer Sanders being that tough, making plays that they absolutely shouldn't make. Ashley Jones is that yeah. in basketball form. She had 28 today and basically didn't even break sweat. Yeah, just that good. And so it's fun to see now that the women are getting the coverage they deserve. I would I would venture to say by the time this season's done, if you stack the women's attendance up against any other program in the country, Iowa State might have the highest women's attendance, if not top three in the country this year because I'm going to play. They usually do anyway. Yeah. And now, and I normally, just because. If you're on the fence, I'm telling you right now. It's, it's fun. I think this team could win the national championship. I don't know enough about everybody else to probably like make a prediction, but if things broke their way, I think they could win the national title. I I think that they are that good. And it's like, you got to have some nights where some shots are going to have to fall and you might have to upset some people. You might, you know, if you have to play a UConn or you have to play a South Carolina or something like that. Where's the women's final four this year? Uh, Houston, I want to say. Coach Pope lives down in Houston. That actually might be where the men's one is. I don't know. I'll get back to you. I don't okay. think it's in Minneapolis. I think that was last year. If that's the case, if it's in a fun place, and Iowa State managed to make it there, road trip. Pull up on us. Road trip. Pull up on me, boy. <laughs> you are the least intimidating person. Pull yeah. up on me. But, uh, no, that's. I am excited for both basketball seasons, and they could not be more different in style. Yeah, could not be more different. <laughs> could not be more different. <laughs> Women are going to win games 113 to 60, uh, and the men are going to win games 39 to 12. My boy, my boy Jordan Jordan Bohannon this morning tweeted out his college basketball bets. He had Iowa State over 130 today. Uh, Iowa State IUPUI. And I tweeted at him. I was like, Sir, my man's. <laughs> IUPUI like this like their last year as a program I think uh I I don't know about all that you know they'd have to be pretty damn bad I think uh, for us to get to that point but. um the oh shoot what I was gonna say um it feels like oh just talking about basketball just generally basketball feel it feels like that hopefully this is my optimistic we're getting into basketball season, so I just get to talk as a fan now. What I'm hoping is that watching this team is less like watching last year's team and more like watching Virginia basketball when they had like Malcolm Brogdon, yeah. where it's intentionally gross. 
versus last year felt accidentally gross. Well, I mean, I think it was was intentionally gross, but at the same time was accidentally gross because it's like, well, it's not meant to be this gross. Right. You know, we want to muddy it up, but we also don't want to fall in the mud ourselves. Yeah. Where you're going to shoot zero to seven free throws at some point in the game. You're going to just huck out 19, 22 foot shots that have no business being shot. You can't get into the post. So, but on the other defensive end, just tenacious. Good luck. Good luck defense on the, on on that side. But it feels like this offense will be different in that world. It's going to be intentional, low, lower scoring still than obviously Hoy ball and, and stuff like that. But it hopefully is more intentional where the possessions take a little bit longer, but you're still setting up good shots. And if you miss, you know, if Caleb grill gets an open three, but goes two for seven on mostly open looks, fine. There's still intentional shots. We're good with it. You have post presence. You're going to get to the foul line. I'm hoping that that's, I'm good with 52 to 45. I just hope that it's not one for 27 from three, 52 to 45. I think that's a fair, that's a fair hope. It's a fair hope. All right. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thanks to Wiffles Hybrids for being the presenting sponsor of football and random things. Peace.